Dave Noe. All right, man. Welcome to Crow 777 Radio. This is episode 380. Jason Lingren is with me, and we have a gentleman that goes by the pseudonym Big Sib. His name is also Brandon. Uh, I believe if you use Big Sib, you can find him on YouTube and other places. That'll get corrected if I've missed the point here. Welcome, Jason. And a very warm and beautiful good morning. Yeah, we haven't had winter uh, yet, and there are still blooms on my rosemary bush a day before the new year. So it's a bit strange to say the least. But in this episode, we're going to get into, I guess I'll just say legal ideas. Um, We don't even have language to talk about the things that we're all beginning to realize. And so we default back to the language we've learned. And I always get emails saying, oh, you should have said lawful. Just give me a break. You know what I'm trying to get at. I'm doing the best I can. Anyhow, welcome, Brandon. Well, thank you, Crow. And thank you, Jason. Yeah, you know, we get trapped in these language games and things of that nature. And we see that uh, with feigned words, we've been made, made merchandise out of. And it is a, it is a conundrum for us. And especially with different lines of thought uh, from different avenues of misinformation and disinformation. But if you always go back to the root of a word, and I know you're 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 really into the etymology of words also, like I am, you'll find that we have shifted from what words mean to what they feel towards us. And we need to get back to what they really mean and what they really stood for and the principles that they stood for in both the civil sense and the what I'll say, religious sense, and that's the being able to think and act independently of another. Well, this is another big problem with entertainment, with movies, with TV. We get a picture in our minds that this word means this, and quite often it doesn't. And if you take the time to look up what it originally meant back in a generation where people thought a little more and were a little better educated, uh, it is kind of a trap. So I'll just say this, you know, yeah, man, I'm in diapers. We're the first basic generation that's recognized a change has to come. Um, I'm guessing that the people who follow me, they will not be wearing diapers and new language will emerge or better refined language. But with that, where would you like to jump in, Brandon? Well, let's let's discuss uh, liberty as our summit, right? We want to break free from these chains of bondage that we've been put in. And the first place uh, that we'll talk about today is, is, is equality, right? So what does equality mean? It means equal treatment across all the board. And that's the, the purpose of your 14th Amendment, which many people are trying to get away, uh, get away from in these legal ideas. But to be equal is, is to not be unequal, which means inequity, right? That's the word inequity, unequal. That means you have a, a, the sin of partiality within you, that you look at people from the outward appearance instead of uh, the fruit that they bear. So each man and woman is responsible for their own liberty. This means self-mastery. This means self-discipline and self-control. And this is the only way we're going to leave this world of Babel that we're in. And I'll, I'll use the word Babel because it's from the land of babies, where adult men and women react through feelings and emotions at all times instead of going to their higher mind uh, and the higher consciousness and acting from principle-based, moral-based, and intelligence instead of just babbling idiots. And that's where we're at. We're going back towards this. It's happening. We're going to get there, but we have to to take our own personal, personal accountability 
moral responsibility and recognize that just, just saving your job isn't the end of all of this. We're, we're just at the beginning stages of turning this back over uh, from this world of co commerce and merchandise where everybody's been tricked and bamboozled that we have much more to do. Don't go back to sleep, folks. Well, this, this is a tough pill to swallow. I think for me, it must have been in the early 2000s that I finally considered myself an adult. And it was not long behind that, that I had to realize I was a baby and I did everything I could to prove that wasn't true. But the problem is, is everything I tried to logic out told me damn well, I was a baby. Uh, all these things I should have known my whole life. I didn't know. And so when I finally accepted that I'm like in grade school at best trying to catch back up, I think it's important because if you don't recognize where you are, it is very difficult to plan where you can head. Yeah. And so first we, we, we must look at the problem, right? Just like you just stated, Crow. Uh, so my whole life leading up to this point, I wanted to blame everyone else for my issues. Uh, I didn't want to face that uh, proverbial man in the mirror, right? It was upon introspection that I found out that the cause of all my problems and issues in life uh, was staring back at me. It was my own inability to actually grow. And when I, when I came to that realization, uh, I was 37 years old. I'm 41 now, right? And at that point, I quit blaming Rome. I quit blaming all these other things for my issues and realized that I had an a, a opportunity before me to stand. And this is a huge word because it comes from the Russian stoyo, which means to be, to be or not to be. Now, either I'm going to lay down and, and not take a stand on my, on my being, on my awareness, on my consciousness, and take control of that which is mine, which this, this uh, awareness of being is mine. Okay, it's the I amness in all of us. So when I, when I decided to do that, things started changing in my life because now I was working from the cause instead of operating in the effect. And what I noticed was that I found the problem and at the same time, time found the solution. That is when I moved my consciousness and my awareness towards solutions and quit focusing on the problem. Now, now the only thing I want to see today is solutions towards the problem. I know we know the problem. We've talked about these for the last uh, 15, 20 years, we see the problems in society and in, in education, in school boards and courtrooms with lawyers. We see it. But now we have to move towards an active solution and become part of the solution. And that means taking an active uh, role. And uh, one of the great scriptures from the Bible is this, become a doer of the word and not a hearer only. That means that your, your actions must follow uh, the words and the thoughts that you have all the way across the board. You can't just be a hypocrite and do one or the other. So I don't want to drag us too far off the concise bullet points that we're working from here, Brandon, but I've got to ask your point of view on this because it's a big deal. I began to realize some time ago that goods and services were one of my stumbling blocks that I required, or I thought I required all these goods and services. And I watched over the years, the price for those goods and services went far beyond so-called money. Um, now they're starting to invade what spiritual spiritual lines, like I will not block my spirit. I know that that's my breath. And this started to be part of the cost. 
there's a new kind of meme that started a few years ago. Well, you see some crazy entertainment where there's this apocalyptic event. And by the word, by the way, that word doesn't mean what we think it means. Look it up. But you know what I'm talking about. Some big end of society. And then on the other side, they show everyone's happy. The sky is blue, but they're all out plowing their own fields. And so I want to get your take on this, Brandon. Um, Goods and services appears to be one of the major addictions that got us caught up in the troubles we're having now. Do you feel like the change that's going to come for many of us as we get beyond what's happened here, um, do you feel like goods and services, how we use them is going to change? Yeah. And I'll speak directly from experience. So I gave up goods and services and I'm, I'm minimally contracted across the board about seven years ago when I gave back my truck, I had all these nice things. I was in debt up to my eyebrows. It's probably been closer to eight or nine years ago now. Time's starting to get away from me. But either way, I gave it all up. Uh, And now what I do is I own own 100, well, I lease 167 acres out in the middle of a swamp, and I've got a houseboat out there. That's where I spend most of my time hunting and fishing and teaching my sons who are homeschooled that's another key point too, guys. You want to you want to break the chains of uh, uh, generational curse. Start homeschooling your children, Absolutely. and uh, things of that nature. But I have personally already went back to that type of life, crow, and that's what I really enjoy. I love it, Brandon. I'm sorry to interrupt, but let's be specific here. Do you feel like? You could still use all the goods and services if you wanted to by applying the knowledge you now have, or do you feel like to get back to the freedom or the so-called sovereignty that some of those goods and services got to go? What's your point? I think you can navigate because at this point in time, the goods and services aren't going to go anywhere because the masses are so addicted to them. But I use the goods and services uh, for my benefit, like for right now, the internet, for example, right? The internet is going to be the the tipping point for us to break break open these bonded uh, these chains of bondages because now we can have access to all these case laws and everything else. But what we have to do is get people off of uh, uh, watching cat videos, right? We got the entertainment, the trapping of the mind in, inside things that don't matter. Yes, we have to switch it back from the municipalities owning and controlling the world. It's not it's not a top down government system that we're in. We're actually it's an inversion. It's a bottom up. Uh, the municipalities and everything are controlling all our services and goods and doing it for profit instead of actually providing roadways and things of that nature that they're supposed to do with infrastructure. Now they're calling it services instead of a government contract, which they're supposed to keep the roads and sewers and everything working. Now the municipalities are uh, exercising great control over each and every one of us. Um, by making us inhabitants of their little uh, corporation and sticking us to their corporate bylaws. So, yes, there is a way back out and we're going to use the federal government and force them back into the position to do what they're supposed to do. Jason, I felt like you wanted to get in there. Well, I was agreeing wholeheartedly that uh, the homeschooling thing is the way to go. That's what they're trying to do with the kids. They're trying to get them programmed for this what they're calling a new normal, which is absolutely, completely, 100% unacceptable on every level. And these children think that what's going on right now is going to be normal for the rest of their lives, then they're easily programmed for the next bit of stupidity. So it's absolutely unacceptable. Keep your children home and train them well. Well, this is a thing that we've touched on many times. And what it has to do with, in my mind, is a foundational critical thing that we've lost or have been losing. And that's called variety. 
It's permeated all the goods and services. Everything looks the same. The colors are the same, but with young minds, it's no different than what I had to face in my life. What's the big deal? I like to see a movie. What's the big deal? There's this TV show that I've been following for years. I can't do without my X files. And what I finally had to realize and confront myself is how many hours in my life have I spent watching a movie or an X-Files or the news? And it's a huge portion of time. And I had to realize if I had used that time constructively, heck, I probably could have learned to be fluent in Latin or any other thing. But when it comes around to children, the variety is squeezed out of them because that thing we call a school curriculum It's teaching them all the same nonsense. And what it is teaching them, I finally realized, is it doesn't teach them anything about this world. It teaches them how to get along in a system that has basically enslaved us. What do you think, Brandon? Yeah, ML Macon uh, made a great couple quotes back in the, the 1930s, I think he said. He said the purpose of education was to create a standardized citizenry with a standardized people unable to think and act for themselves, right? Not that's paraphrased, but he, he, he was really all over the place with understanding what the purpose of the Rockefeller Education Board that started in 1903 was really about. And that was creating a nation of workers instead of a nation of thinkers, right? And so that's the purpose of the hamster wheel also. And we'll discuss this again uh, today. Your hamster wheel of why taxes are so high on your state and local levels, uh, your property taxes are so high. And why you must have insurance and all these other things just to survive now is to keep you on that hamster wheel. That way you don't have enough time to think and act and do research on things that really do consume time and then throw you the entertainment, the screen and mirrors, the black mirror world where you get to live your life vicariously through the screen. Right. And that's your out for sports and everything else. Uh, This is where the alpha male gets to. Uh, relieve some of his aggression is is through the worship of these um, idols is really what they are to me. But yes, I agree, Crow. Well, it's it's so insidious. We'll just touch on this for a second. All the stuff that's going on that blew up in our faces in 2020, you know, this thing we've been screaming about since, I don't know, 2012-ish or something, there's something coming. You can tell there's some, well, it's here and it happened for us in March of 2020. But the insidious nature of entertainment and the black mirror, as Brandon put it, is this. Nothing has happened that you haven't already experienced because you've already seen it in a movie. And in many of these movies, the good guys fought against the bad guys and they won or there was an outcome. There is your subconscious steam release. You've relived this so many times before it happened that now it's not even really in your mind to go out and do something about it or to change your action. You've already seen the story has been told you Lord knows how many times the the Marvel movies is a great example up half the world's going away up. The good guy saved half the world. It's a subconscious mind warp. And that is the problem with modern entertainment. And the thing is, in, in my household, for a long time, there was a beef. Well, these old I Love Lucys are fine. Well, no, they're not. They're not really fine at all. They're just not as rude and in your face as all the modern stuff. But this has been going on with entertainment longer than I've been alive, longer than my grandparents have been alive, I would endeavor. Yeah. And you bringing up the subconscious, and I'll just uh, give my experience here too. So I took an active approach uh, probably three years ago, somewhere about there to take back uh, the heart, the womb of the earth, the 
the subconscious, right? I took active measures to take that back and I cut out TV. I cut out movie time. And what I did was I started meditating and things of that nature, reprogramming my subconscious mind and my, uh, my in- inner man. And what has transpired uh, since that time is that I have, I have um, no want to watch uh, uh, that much TV or spend that much time on other things. What I, what I do have is, is an internal drive that never stops for the entire race of mankind to be free. And that's where I spend most of my time. This comes back to the old Eastern idea of what life do we have to live? There is only this moment because the past doesn't exist and the future doesn't exist. So in this second is where our life resides. And in the time it took me to talk about that second, it was already by me. So when you come to anything recorded in the idea of video, what you're looking at is a thing that never happened. And even though it didn't happen, it was recorded in a time that's no longer present. So you have traded the reality of this second for non-existence, basically, if you logically break it out. All right. One, should we pull back into the, the points here, Brandon? We've got yeah. a lot of stuff to get through. All right, go ahead. So, uh, you know, and we're building this foundation and it's, it's great that we are talking, going off on these little tangents because they're important as we move forward and how to break uh, your own bondages, right? And fear and how it inhibits the mind to accomplishing liberty. And we'll, we'll see this play out um, from March of last year forward uh, with the Karen memes and everything else showing you. And, and what happens with the first time that you stand uh, in the face of tyranny, you have doubt, worry, anxiety, acquiescence, or any of these things uh, that are living inside you, right? And Each time you stand, you are operating in the principle called love, which is power, faith, sound mind, and it's action-based, right? Inactivity is an action itself. So what you come to -to face-to-face is these principles here of fear and love. And love isn't what you've been, been taught about, that love is weak and all this stuff. No, love is the power of standing in your being and acting on principles of truth and understanding and wisdom and these ideas, right? So we must get past this fear-based mindset. And that's the purpose of the subconscious programming of people dying everywhere. So it was a great segue into that. Okay. So uh, I'm, I'm pulling up on five here, Brandon, and I think this is so important to put out there lately. Jason and I have covered a lot of people who took basic methods and they won. And not only did they win, in some cases, they won for thousands of people who weren't willing or didn't know how to stand. Jason, can you recall anyone who's properly stood recently that didn't succeed? Because I can't. Can you? No, I think just about everybody that we have spoken directly to has had success to some degree or another. They may have had to jump through a few hoops to get there, but they stood their ground and they did indeed succeed. To me, it demonstrated a few things that this whole thing is so flimsy that we are all pathetic because it was not that hard to push back against. And by the way, what Brandon wrote is critically important. Winning increases confidence. And I'm here to tell you that for much of what's going on, it's not even that difficult to to succeed. And this goes back to our education because we're convinced that there's this steamroller that ain't stopping for no one. And yet we just had a man on who stood against a multinational hospital and kicked their butt in one move, took three moves to realize he kicked their butt, but their butt was kicked in one move. 
So I'm going to cue you up, Brandon. Winning increases confidence. And this is critical because if you think there is no hope, guess what? There's probably no hope. Yeah. And I'm going to pull my daughter's situation into this uh, because what I'll say is, is in this particular instance, it took five moves for us to defeat the Oshner Medical Group in uh, Louisiana, which is the largest medical provider in Louisiana. Uh, and my daughter stood in the face uh, face of these people, Did, didn't know, but I taught her every step of the process, what we were doing, right? And it ended up, she got suspended and everything else. And I told her, I said, listen, you need to, you need to maintain confidence because you are in the right, they are in the wrong. And I sent the final tort letter, including a, a non-filed Title 42 1983 lawsuit uh, to the legal team, uh, which indicated that we weren't stopping right. And we're not. Uh, and within two days, uh, my daughter had gotten a, a reinstatement. So at that reinstatement, what had happened was they admitted that the rights that she had on that date existed prior to her suspension. This winning gains confidence has come from me standing for these last two years, right? Sometimes I made, I made mistakes. Sometimes I didn't do it right. So I have grown this entire time but my standing started on April 1st, April 1st of last year by simply driving through 10 states' borders trying to show people that the borders weren't locked down. I mean, it was something simple, uh, but it was part of my process of getting to where I am now. There are answers. There are solutions. And quit focusing on the problem that's moved towards these solutions. And once you win once or twice, what's going to happen is your confidence is going to grow. And once your confidence grows, you're moving out of that fear-based mindset. Well, one of the biggest weapons that these guys have been using against everyone is basically bullshit. Mm -hmm. Everything that they've been pumping out from the mainstream media, most of it has been absolute nonsense. We ourselves went and checked out ERs and things like that where they're saying it's overflowing. They're blah, 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 blah. No, it wasn't. Nothing was. So let's look at the idea that has been expressed by both of you guys. Winning inspires confidence, but use your chessboard in your mind to consider what happened when Agent J's letter hit the desk of the people who were trying to push these false narratives. Not only did she win, which inspired her confidence, they lost. And so in the case of Brandon's daughter, they lost big. Everyone sitting at that table now has to view what they were trying to force down everyone's throat in a different way. So this is a critical, critical point, and it goes back to what we've covered here. Mind precedes all action. And so think of what's happened. The minds that won have confidence. The minds that lost have to reevaluate. So I think this is a critical, critical point, Brandon. Yes, yes. So great point, Crow, because now you're planting seeds, right? So now you're in control. Now you've planted the seeds of doubt into their heart, which are going to produce fruit, right? Because they all through this process, they thought they were in the right. Their talking points have all come from the Medicaid and Medicare paperwork that they sent out to each of these hospitals that, that serve Medicare, Medicaid and Medicare pay, uh, patients. And then it came directly from the EEOC, which is just Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. And they were reading from these manuals. Uh, but just like everyone else from the population, even our lawyers and our legal consultants at each of these hospitals have no idea the difference between a right and a privilege. It is so intermixed now until you lay it out bare to them. Then they have then they have the seat of doubt in there and they go, hold up. We don't have this right 
to force medical intervention on these people. We don't have this right to make them take COVID tests, to make them wear masks. They never did. And so you're 100% correct. And now that you're taking control of the situation and at the same time, educating everyone else around them, this is a big deal. This, this is how we work towards that hundredth monkey effect. Well, what they're using is another falsehood as their basis to begin with, which is a mandate is a law, yep. which is just not true. Yeah, the slow creep to corporate policy is the be-all and end-all that rules us all. But I think this is a good cue-up for fraudulent conversion, Brandon. Yeah, uh, so we're just going to define fraudulent conversion right here, guys. Fraudulent conversion means the action of taking into possession another man's money or property and converting or using them fraudulently for one's own use and benefit or for the use and benefit of a third party to whom the property or money does not belong. And so we have this idea. You'll see uh, Paul Unslaved, who's done a couple of great episodes on here. Alphonse does the property tax. Uh, Paul does the motor vehicles. And then for me, we'll discuss this here in a little while with me and the, uh, my own five-year battle with the IRS, right? And what we have here is a conversion from everyday private men and women being converted into commercial ideas. And so Congress has the power to regulate commerce, right? That's, that's your commerce clause. And what you have is a broad interpretation of that commerce clause and what that's Article 1, Section 8, Clause uh, 3 of the Constitution. If you're not familiar with it, you need to get familiar with it, guys, because it is vitally important for you to understand uh, not only the the constitutional protections you have, but the statutory provisions that go with it. What you'll find and what I've learned over the years is that all your protections are written down. You must understand them. So, yes, we have been tricked with feigned words and made merchandise out of. That's just the truth of the matter, whether it's uh, driving an automobile or getting in your automobile and just going to a friend's house. And now you're a commercial motor vehicle carrying goods and services, whether you're Alphonse dealing with property tax issues and you've been made into a citizen and the, the commercial bylaws have now made you an inhabitant of the municipality or whether uh, with my situation in the IRS, who have defined me out of Title 267701 as a taxpayer, and I'm involved in the federal franchise scheme. Well, the simplicity of it was I asked simple questions. How does this apply to me? And if it does provide me the proof, they can't do it. So let's be perfectly clear to folks. Are you asking, is there a law? Is that the proof? Yeah. Or are you just saying, you ain't got no authority. Go ahead and show me what you ain't got. Well, no, what I do is I take their code apart and this is this is uh, their statutory code and I, I break it all the way down. This is a good, good. This is how you study, guys. You go in and you ask a simple question. How does it apply to me? OK, if I can't find anywhere in there that it applies to me or that I'm part of their uh, uh, commercial scheme or that a taxpayer is a person, which is a joint stock company. And it's all these things, and it's geographically located in Washington, D.C. That means you're domiciled. The meaning of domicile means you plan to return there. So let's let's identify the two operations in Washington, D.C. One's a municipal city corporation and one's, one's a government. The municipal corporation is operating uh, the IRS, which is an agent instrumentality of the government. So all I simply did was ask the IRS, 
to prove to me that my name was taxpayer and that I was culpable for taxes. That's it. It, it, I sent the documents to you. And what you'll see is that for five years, and I've got hundreds more, five years, they kept sending me back consent forms. But what is a consent form? (laughs) Do do you consent to be taxed? (laughs) (laughs) How about no? I've just called you into question. Will you accept the offer now? (laughs) Yeah. And so the original letter, the original letter. Now there's, there's two previous years that were in question. I, I, I wasn't as good as keeping information uh, seven years ago. So, so uh, some of that has been lost, but the 2017 issue, uh, I, I started learning how to uh, keep all my documents organized. I got a file cabinet in my living room. I put everything in there, my certified mail receipts. And what you'll learn is you need to become organized and diligent in your research and also your habits, writing everything down on paper, things of that nature. But anyway, uh, yeah, so they sent me the consent form. The, the original, the original letter from the IRS stated, um, "This is an offer of eighteen thousand dollars. Do you accept?" It's got a little checkbox there. You turn the page over. It says, "I do not accept. Uh, I do not consent." And so I, I checked, "Do not consent," and I wrote a letter in because I'd been reading Title Twenty Six of the IRS Code for a few years. Finally, felt like I had a uh, a good understanding of it, and so I took the leap of faith. Okay, prove to me that I owe you this. And they, they five years later, they can't prove it. Uh, matter of fact, as of March this year, I sent a tort letter with my, my last reply to them. And the tort letter stated that if they were going to continue to harass me, and their letters state, by the way, their letters state unequivocally that they need more time to research their code. Hold up. That's a big red flag, folks. The IRS needs more time to research their code to identify me as a taxpayer culpable for federal taxes. That's an issue if they need more time to research. So I got to ask a couple questions. Had you paid taxes and yes or no, have you paid those taxes in the past? Uh, Yes, I had paid those taxes in the past. I had. And when I decided to minimally contract, uh, stop my contracting uh, with them, I don't ask for earned income credits. I don't file returns anymore. I don't do any of that. I do not inform on myself anymore. I don't want anything from them. Nothing. Let me ask you a question. I know a lot of people, and by the way, I guarantee there are going to be endless people looking for the documents. I'm reasonably sure Brandon Rose has everything. Yes, Rose has them all. And Listen, you're, you're free to share them. That's why I sent them to Rose because I've shared them on my YouTube channel. Let me get back to the taxes. So what if you were a person, I'm thinking about all the emails I've seen. What if you were a person who used to pay taxes, but hasn't paid taxes in say over a decade? Do they have to reestablish, try to reestablish that control of when from the time when you did accept their offer? Is there a statute of limitations in other words? So the last year that I, I filed a return is the, la- is the last communication that I've gotten from them. That's the year that they went after. When they figured out that I wasn't filing a return anymore, they went after the, the, the final year that I did. And so it's been five years. Well, yeah, it'll be five years and a couple months that I stopped filing taxes. But there's this idea that uh, if this has happened to people who've gone to jail. They didn't file for like seven years. I forget. I think it's seven years. And then the IRS thought they were dead. And the, and the Social Security Department recycled their, 
their number and they go through this whole hollabaloo trying to prove they're alive, which is a bit ironic because if they're classifying you as dead, you're basically free unless you want those goods and services. So what I'm getting at is had you never done anything except not respond, you see what I'm getting at? Yeah, no, I do. And so my sons will never, never, never file a return in their life. My sons are being taught how to live independently of government. And so we get back into this, this idea, the, the, the idea of self-governing. So I don't need anybody else to take care of my money or my property, right? I just don't. It's, it's, it's peculiar to me. And so with that idea, I can, I can do everything. And make no mistake, we still pay taxes. You pay $1.50 or $1.75 in taxes at the gas pump. I still pay taxes at the store. You're never going to get away from taxes. But the direct tax on my labor is an, uh, is an intrusion on your property because it is your property. You're trading your, your, your property for wages. That's, it's way different than income. Income is the to- sum total of income coming in from the sale of goods and services. That's it. Goods and services. Well, okay. I guess, I guess that's up. So before we move on, I know this is going to, I've had so many people email me about this because of minor things we've said. And as far as I know, Jason, and I have never kind of gone where we did. So let's just quickly delineate what you did. So at some point you got a message from the IRS saying, Hey, give us money. Exactly. What kind of a document did you submit? Okay. So at that point in time, I was into sedm.org, uh, which is Family Guardian, and I was tr- I was doing all this stuff to authenticate my birth certificate, all this stuff. I never finished. I never did any of it. I just actually went out on a whim, and I wrote the IRS to prove to me that I actually owed, owed them something. And I sent the actual letter, and you can share that document too. And five years later, they they still can't show show me anything that I owe them. So now, what I would t- what what I will tell people is this: never take the leap of faith without having wisdom and knowledge first. If you haven't tore apart Title Twenty Six, Section Seven Seven Zero One, and and understand the definitions there, and un- use their code. So all I did was cite their code back to them in each one of my communications. Well, prove to me this, prove to me this, prove to me this. Affidavit registered? That's right. Okay. Well, even at this point, Crow, I wasn't doing the affidavit correctly. And that's what's crazy, right? Because now I've come so far in actually verifying uh, and doing the affidavit correctly that it's still, this is how many chinks are in this armor. Um, You'll see that it was a simple document that I typed up. Uh, with my name signed at the end. It wasn't even a, a, an affidavit. I did send everything certified mail, though. Uh, so the communications back and forth, I do have every certified re- mail return receipt. Uh, so this is, this, is, this is how crazy uh, that this situation is, because at that point in time, I had no clue how to really do a, a, a strong affidavit like I do today. So we got to get back there's so much here to get through, but I, ju- I just got to act when you did your affidavit and it's, you know, it's got all the stamps on it, everything that we've talked about. Did you tell them you've got so many days to rebut or did you just simply put in an affidavit? I just, at that point in time, I just simply put it, put in an affidavit. I don't put anything about uh, rebutting or anything else because they don't have to rebut an affidavit. 
So what you're doing with the affidavit process is, is all you're doing is building your case to sue. That's all you're doing. You're educating them and demanding proof. So uh, one of the things that, that the IRS uh, does is called ins- insufficiency of process. They just send things by uh, regular mail without it even uh, being certified that you receive it. That's an insufficiency of process because they'll take that to a, a judge and get an execution, a judgment on you and a writ of execution to lien your bank account, right? Well, that's insufficiency of process. So there's all kinds of things wrong with that also. But nonetheless, no, I don't, I don't put any rebuttal stuff in my, in my affidavits anymore because now I understand that you, they don't have to reply to you. But every single communication that I have taught people this and it works, every time that you get a communication from your hospital, Southwest Airlines, Delta Airlines, or the Religious Committee Review Board, or whoever's doing your vaccination uh, review and all that. Every time you get a reply, you send the affidavit again. You boom, you hit them again. And you, what, you, what you're doing is you're, you're setting a path forward to incorporate that affidavits in each one of those as proof that these people were not only uh, negligent, they were gross negligent because they were actually aware of the laws that they, they were breaking. Uh, so th- those are ideas that need, people need to understand. So the affidavit, the docs that we've referenced here, Rose will be able to provide uh, in the top of comments. Rose is usually the first one in. She'll provide an email. And by the way, we're working on getting a document repository, which is actually a bigger pain in the butt than you'd think uh, when you're doing what we're doing. Anyhow, is this a good good place to jump in to feigned words, which is near and dear to my heart. And before anyone calls me on it, I know I am in blatant violation of the use of the English language. I know it. And the problem is, is when I'm speaking, most of the time I can't correct myself on the fly. And so I give up the attempt to properly use language knowingly, by the way, which even makes it worse to communicate the points that I assume people can mostly comprehend what I'm getting at. But I mean, Brandon, the next generation that stands on our shoulders, us diaper wearers, they're going to start to have to create a new use of language, aren't they? Yeah. And what they're going to do is it is our duty to make them understand that language is a tool, right? And it is the tool that conveys the mind into the material world. So when they control that avenue, I think it was Philip K. Dick who said the the manipulations of words, you manipulate people who must use them. And it's it's a truth. No matter what uh, Philip K. Dick thought about outside of that statement, that statement is true, 100% true. Because with with feigned words, we have been made merchandise out of Uh, the involvement of the IRS that that I was a federal franchise scheme operating a business as an individual. Well, that individual uh, would be defined as one man or one woman running a business out of their home. Same thing with the property tax. It's it's all the way across the board that we have been incorporated into this commerce clause of the United States where everything affects commerce. But the truth is, the truth is, is that I, I really don't want to be part of it anymore. And so I don't want my children part of it. I don't want my children uh, enslaved to this hamster wheel uh, that we see this generation is on. I, I, I want it to stop. All right. So I think we should point. I was going to use Jason that we've done this so many times. 
this is a big deal. The use of language, what words mean. If I could snap my fingers and correct one thing about the way that I'm living, I would snap my fingers and correct my language the way I know it should be all the way across the board. By the way, I've spent a whole life learning how to speak improperly. It's difficult um, to change, but words are magic. And what Philip K. Dick said, regardless of whether he was a man or not, um, is true on a level that most people don't realize. When you create a word in your mind and you say it, you have created something from nothing. And we often use the example that I can put something in your mind to prove to you words are magic. I'm going to put something in your mind. I've done this so many times. Blue ball. Think about a blue ball. Blue ball, blue ball, blue ball. The majority of people listening to my voice envisioned in their mind a blue ball. In other words, I conjured up this concept, turned it into language, spoke the magic incantation, and placed in your mind a thing that many people can't prevent. The moment they heard blue ball, it was in their mind. And even the people who are a little more advanced that say, oh, here it comes. You warned me. I'm going to block that. Even a good number of those people won't be able to block the concept. And I think it's critically important. Um, Jason, I don't know how many many times we've done that tired example, but it, it means something, right? Yeah, of course it does. You're showing that something can be brought from nothing. Well, that's pretty much the definition of magic, isn't it? It is the absolute. And this is not fake pen and teller magic. No. By the way, they let you know their magic is fake before they fake do their magic on you. Um, But the point is, this is true magic. And each one of us is using it every day, all day long. The problem is we were never trained properly by our parents, by our communities, the way it used to be that these things are important. So Brandon, we're going to get into a man who's much admired, Paul Unslaved. Uh, We, we covered him. We had the whole the whole traffic stop recorded where he basically converted the minds of police officers when they were forced to think about what they do every day, all day long. So pick it up with Paul. Yeah. And so Paul is, is learning to stand, right? And what, what Paul's going to have to do now is take that standing and move it towards being able to apply it in a court of law. Cause that's what we're doing here. That's, that's where this has to go because until we get judgments and writs of execution, look, I don't care about money. I, I, I care about it in the sense that I have to have it, but million dollar judgment isn't what I'm 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 in this for. But it's what I'm going to go after because that, that's gonna, that's going to make these corporations stop what they're doing because these corporations, WalMarts, Rouses, wherever you go, uh, the hospital, the only thing they care about is liability. The same thing with your local police departments, your local state troopers. These are all corporations operating for business now. It, the protect and serve is off the side. They're here to collect, <laughs> you know, that's collect it. and swerve. <laughs> yeah, they're here to collect. That's it. We all hear the stories of the police chief saying you have to have 500 uh, tickets a month to stay working here. It, 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 that's what it's about. We 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 can visually see dope destroying our neighborhoods, dope destroying our youth everywhere you go. This is no, no family is detached from this reality anymore, but yet it it continues on. But the truth is they're still going to be sitting on that corner behind the stop sign in your school zone, pulling people over for doing five miles per hour because it's a $500 ticket. That's business. And so business must stop as normal. And that's what Paul's standing against. I'm involved with going to assist Paul in this next stage of his growth 
and getting to the courtrooms. And I'll, I'll make a plug here for Dr. Graves too. If you have not taken the Dr. Graves jurisdictionary course, I advise you to take it if this is the route that you want to go. Make no mistake, that is going to it's going to take great effort, great concentration, and written pages. Write down the notes until you can assimilate and incorporate this knowledge into your temple. That is the truth of wisdom. That's about all I have to say on Paul. All right, let me let me jump in here, Jason. You're going to have to correct me because you know how much I pay attention to these things. Dr. Graves has an image link from our website. If people use that, they get a reduction in the cost, right? It's two fifty to take the Dr. Graves course, How to Win in Court. I don't know if that's a reduced price or not, but it's two fifty. Okay, so two fifty, and this is what I want to say: I have had zero emails of people who took that course and said, "Waste of time. Wish I hadn't done it." What I do have is probably, I don't know, a hundred or more emails saying in a weekend, this changed my life. And the biggest thing that I realized it was the confidence because a person had no idea what's the law. How do I, you know, I don't know. And now in a weekend, they walk away feeling like they know how to stand and they understand something about the process. And even there I'm warping language. No one's understanding anything. They're comprehending. And so we go. as we try to get our diapers off. Anyhow, do we have anything more about Paul or do you want to move into Alphonse's property tax ideas? Well, and it's the same thing with Alphonse, right? I'm good friends with Alphonse, have been for a long time. I'm going to become good friends with Paul in the coming process that uh, Alphonse, I and Brett are going to help Paul move forward with. Alphonse's process is still the same, right? He's going up against property tax. Now, listen, so Each and every one of us has a current situation that we may be facing. It is impossible for me, Brandon, who has had issues with the IRS, to know everything that Alphonse knows knows with the property tax. It's impossible. I've got other coals in the fire, so to speak. I'm battling the hospital for my daughter, will caveats for my father, and then I have my own Mississippi Band of Choctaw Indians, Title 42, 1983 case. So whatever situation you're, you're facing, you need to find the guy or the lady or the information that helps you move forward. But Alphonse is dealing with the same thing. So the corporate bylaws of that local municipality has made him an inhabitant, right? This is how they're defining that property as a as business entity, that that, that property is real estate, which is a commercial activity instead of private property owned by Alphonse. And so Alphonse's Telegram uh, channel is another place that you can find me at, guys. I'm not going to open my Telegram link up here for a reason, because I have just a law chat where we share documents over and over again and kind of keep the uh, fluff out. So excuse me, guys, for not sharing that. That's okay. Um, If you did that in hour one, I'm almost certain you'd be overwhelmed. But let me make a point here as we begin to wrap up hour one. I don't want to see comments and emails anymore about this person who talked about legal ideas sucks and you shouldn't listen to them. What you have to comprehend is the totality of what Jason and I have chose to cover has helped. Jason, could we even venture a guess? I can't even venture a guess how many people. Hundreds would be a very conservative number. I would say thousands. Um, And not only that, all the people that we can't, like like our previous guest, 2,000 employees at a hospital. Mm -hmm. pulled from under the executioner's act from the act of one man. We're talking thousands and thousands of people. And yeah, are we all professionals at this? No, we're not. We're all in freaking diapers. 
struggling to get the little safety pins off so that we can walk like men and women grown. But we are the first generation who's doing this in any meaningful way. So you don't have to agree with anything, but you darn well better recognize if you're going to start slinging ink. It's the conglomeration of everything we have done has contributed to what I will say are many thousands of people helped, and some of them in serious ways. In other words, had it gone south for them, their whole life would have been in shambles. Rick Crow, if you don't mind, I just want to add uh, the Secret Service agent in our hour one, because I think it's vitally important uh, that the hour one guests get to hear this. So the affidavit process for me, because I have been involved in saving thousands of jobs myself, including Southwest Air Pilots, Delta Airline Pilots. But the the furthest we went up the chain was the White House uh, uh, Secret Service agent who now has to wear no mask, takes no COVID test, and will not have to be vaccinated. Uh, Rose and Alphonse are the only two people that I shared that communication with to keep her identity safe. But it, it is verifiable that we stopped the entire COVID nonsense on a lady working the vice president's detail in the White House. Wow. Okay. (laughs) I was not expecting that. Okay. Do illegitimately elected people get the full coverage of the Secret Service? Yes. Title V is your federal employees protection for people that have not read or federal employees or federal employee contractors or anything else. You need to go read Title V. That is going to be your protection there. Title II of your civil rights, Title VII. These ideas are all over the place. Um, But Title V is direct. What I directly quoted inside her affidavit is where her protections were. She's walking around the White House now with no no mask, no weekly COVID testing, and no vaccine. People are going to ask, Title V of what? Be very specific. Title II of the 64 Acts is your public accommodation. Title VII is your civil rights. Did I say Title V? If I did, I didn't mean to. Point is, is people are going to go want to look this up. Oh, Title V, U.S. Code, Pro. United States Code, Title V is federal employees. Sorry about that. And by the way, the comments section are pretty helpful here. If you have a question like, what book are we talking about? Just just going to comments. Someone will absolutely help you out. All right, Jason, anything you want to get in before I wrap hour one? Well, I have a big question, but we'll save it for hour two. All right. Well, I got to tell you, Brandon, uh, you're a shining example for me. Every time I speak with someone like you, I have reinvigorated hope that all is not lost. But in the back of my mind, I know all is not lost. I know that every created thing or anything with a beginning will see its end. Um, It's just frustrating if to get to that end, you're going to do most of your life or all of your life. Nonetheless, we are when we are. And this is a very unusual period of time to be alive. Let's, Let's face it. Everything that has gone so haywire has happened in my lifetime. Now, they were setting up much before I was ever here, but the actual nuts and bolts getting kicked lever after lever, um, getting that railroad train on the right track that they wanted to reach when they got to 2020, that's all happened in my lifetime, and much of it is on the back of digital technology, as you will notice. Anyhow, that is hour one of episode 380 with Jason Lindgren and Big Sib, also known as Brandon. I I suspect you search Big Sib, that's S-I-B, to find him online. And I should ask, Brandon, are you going to be in comments? Yeah, I I will spend a few days in comments. I sure will, brother. Okay. 
There it is. So join us on the other side at crow777radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777 radio.com. And I'd like to wish each and every one of you a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. 22's right on the doorstep. We're about to step into a new year or a so-called new year. Anyhow, there it is, man. Cheers. Is the enemy. Is the enemy.